This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Hey guys, welcome to Very Bold Radio and Podcast and Facebook Live. I am really excited. I'm excited to talk to Craig Dennison today. He is, I do want to tell you a little bit about him. He is the host and author of the very popular uh, daily devotional podcast and ministry platform called First 15. Um, they reach a couple of people every day. They reach a couple of people. I'm joking. They reach 1.4 million a day with their devotionals and podcasts. And those are millennials, which is really awesome. And that's just one aspect of his ministry he and his wife have. So, man, there's a lot to talk about. But one thing that I want Craig to talk about today and he is wanting to share with us is since March during this crazy time, as you all know, I don't even have to talk about that, but you know, um, he is obviously a big Christian leader, but he's had five panic attacks during that time. And, uh, man, we're going to talk about that because we know people have been jacked up by this whole time and <laughs> have gone through some stuff. Maybe that's you or somebody that you know, and you're a strong Christian, you're a believer, but still these things, fear and anxiety come. So, uh, Craig Dennison, welcome to Very Bold Radio. How are you doing today? Man, Steve, I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Love what you do here and love the people that you reach out to. So really excited for our conversation today. Well, man, I am too. And I really appreciate because as a Christian and as a Christian minister, as a Christian leader, um, we have this weird thing that goes on when we're going through crud or hard stuff, struggles, anxiety. <laughs> uh, I mean, what what is the typical response? You know, we want to hide it. We don't want to talk about it, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So tell us about uh, this is this is why it's so amazing that you're sharing with us because you do have a huge ministry platform. Man, I can't even wrap my head around 1.4 million people a day. I can't wrap my head around that. How do you wrap your head around that first? You know, I don't. I don't wrap my mind around it. I, I kind of forget that they exist when I see that blank page in front of me that I have to fill with some words that are meaningful for someone. Right. You know, it's just, it's just me and God, and I forget that those people exist. And uh, that's the only way I get through it, I think. I think that's probably good. I think if I was thinking, man, there's 1.4 million people that are dependent upon, you know, a fresh word from the Lord and me and the Lord. Yeah, I think I would have to do that. So that's, that's a really uh, good way to approach that. All right, uh, Craig, talk to me um, about these panic attacks. Talk to me about, um, I mean, were, were these the first ones you've ever had? Does this go back to childhood? What can you tell us about it? Man, that's a great question. I, I love TV brought up it, the traditional sponsors, Christians. I think that's a key part of this conversation. Yeah. I loved getting to talk about my experience with panic attacks and and how just the idea of doing that and actually edging in just into just being a little bit vulnerable yeah. rather than resonating with people, I think, shows the need <clears throat> for more vulnerability inside of our faith and our expression of our faith, especially as leaders. But yeah, so to your question, I, I mean, I've had, I think, maybe one panic attack before the pandemic hit yeah. in my life that I could point to. I'm not sure I knew that that's what it was, but looking back now with more experience, I can pretty confidently say that I had one. It was years and years ago. And uh, yeah, since the pandemic hit, I mean, yeah. I've had five of them, which has been 
shocking to me as I imagine that that might sound to others listening has been a, a thing I've been processing through for months, trying to get my mind and heart wrapped around, you know, what is this and why yeah. is it happening? And how do I reconcile this with the fact that I'm talking every day in this devotional about how God's, God mm. makes his peace available to us. And yeah. that that peace as Philippians tells us, isn't actually through our circumstances, but in the midst of them. And I mm. can't, as I'm voicing and believing in the peace of God and the goodness of God and the availability of his presence, like I can't seem to, find that peace and keep it. And I keep wrestling with this in a really significant way. It's been, it's been a tough journey, man. That is, uh, that is quite a journey. And I could see a lot of people also, and this is another thing I appreciate about you, Craig, uh, people like, man, I, I got to deal with this. I got to, you know, come through on the other side and then maybe in a year or two or five years or whatever it takes mm-hmm. or 10 years, then I'll, I'll start addressing it. But man, you're, you're right in the middle of trying to figure these things out. So you don't have all the answers, which again is not a very, you know, it's a mistake that we as Christians tend to kind of err on the side of, oh yeah, we got all the answers. We know. No, we don't. No, we don't. We do not. (laughs) And so I really appreciate it that you're also, man, in the middle of it. So, um, well, can you talk us through? uh, And I know, I mean, fact, there are people and there are Christians that are watching or listening to the podcast or the radio and they're saying, man, that's me or that's my husband or that's my wife or that's my kid. They're going through that. And they're feeling this kind of encouragement because they are not alone. Can you, do you mind like describing some of that, that first attack that you had in, in March or, or what, what do you feel like as you look back contributed to it or just, it just happened? How do you describe oh, man. it? man. Absolutely, Steve. Yeah. So for me, I've done a lot of self-discovery since. That's part of how God's been redeeming this in my life, is the opportunity to get more clarity about it as I'm doing more self-discovery and uh, uncovering, realizing there's a lot of stuff that's been under the surface for a long time. And I think the pandemic just kind of put me over that that bar or, or took me over that cliff into this really visible experience with stress and anxiety. That's a panic attack. But the reason that these panic attacks have been having for me is really the massive amount of stress and anxiety that I've been experiencing for most of my life. Okay. And I think that that's like what you're saying, Steve, I think that's common for a lot of people for sure. right now. I think when you look at statistics, stress and anxiety really has become our new normal as a people, yeah. um, as people living in today's day and age. And so for me, the panic attack looks like Oh, it's for me, they're noise induced. I have a four year old and a one year old. And so my first one was my one year old knocked a, a Yeti cup off of a shelf and yeah. it landed on the ground. And I was stressed thinking about work and yeah. finances and these different pieces. And this noise just threw me into this spiral mm-hmm. where it feels like I can't get, I can't under, really get a sense of what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. I, my eyes are filled with tears and they're just streaming down mm. my face and I don't understand that experience. And yeah. I have to kind of go into a dark room and sit in there, hands over my eyes and, and get, you know, sometimes a large period of time, 45 minutes to an hour before I can really gather myself back into any state of normalcy afterwards. And it's, it's a, it's a tough experience, but then yeah. as they become really visible, it's been a, amazing process to get to recognize what's under the surface and invite God into that place of processing. Wow. Okay. You just brought up like 20 questions. So, I mean, that was amazing. Can you um, even just tell us now that first time that you had a panic attack, did you, did you even know, like, I need to go lay down, I need to go in a dark room or did you, that first one just 
man, I, I think I would just have a meltdown and freak out and not know what to do. I mean, that was for sure my experience. Like, I, that's all I really could do. So I just okay. went with two young kids and my wife. Everyone's kind of like, what is happening? Are you okay? And no one really knows what's going on. And so I just said, I just need time. And I went up to the room and I just sat there and kind of tried to gather myself and then did some Googling after. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I think I just had a panic attack. Wow, yeah. that was crazy. And then the next week, another one hits. And then the next week, another one hits. And it's like, okay, there's something happening here that I have to learn about and deal with on a more significant level. Counseling and therapy have been huge for me and processing this through obviously with my wife and people that I'm close with to get some understanding as a family around what this experience is like has been really great. But in those first few experiences, it was just kind of, it was just what I kind of naturally got driven to this place of there's just need to sit in the dark and gather myself back and realizing I'm going to have to be, I'm going to be kind of in a weird place the rest of today with this. Yeah. And uh, even coworkers sharing this with them a little bit. I mean, I lead a team of 40 people mm. uh, in total. The ministry is resourcing about 3.3 million and first of teams, just a portion wow. of that with what I do there. And so realizing that, you know, there's empathy and compassion and understanding that you need to develop with people you work with too, if this is an experience that you have. And, that's been fruitful as well. And really team building even has been vulnerable with that. So it's been a process, but yeah, in the early days, it was just kind of doing what I felt like my body and my mind was asking me to do until I got some more understanding about it. Okay. So, I mean, when you would, you would go into your room and then I, again, I'm feeling like if, if this happened to me, I don't think I would emerge an hour later, even just a little cloudy or a little, you know, a little off, a little <laughs> foggy. I feel like I would be there for at least 24 hours. I don't, I mean, so I don't, did anything happen in that 45 minutes that just kind of helped you just to sort of get up out of bed and, and go back and be in a little bit of a fog? Was there any kind of, I don't know, any hints or help that would help somebody going through that today? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for sure, listen to you, this is something I'm really passionate about on the other side, I mean, other side, just in the midst of this that I've been experiencing, um, is the ability to kind of listen to your body okay. and listen to your mind and mm. Uh, get some time to reflect in the midst of the experience whenever you do get just even a bit of clarity back in your mind and your heart and your body. Listen to when the, the stress and fear hormones are subsiding mm. and when the tears stop filling your eyes and paying attention to what your body's telling you, I think is a really key part of this. Okay. And if at all possible, it's not always possible, but if at all possible, give yourself the time and space you need push meetings if you can, push off, you know, tasks around the house if you can. Mm. So really give your body time to recuperate and it'll let you know when it's ready to kind of venture out into normalcy to some degree. And then I think the other thing that's been really helpful for me in the first few, stress kind of compounded on stress. Okay. Like, what, what is this? Is this going to happen again? Yeah. Am I going to be okay? Why can I not stop this? especially if it drives you at all into shame, I would say, I would say that that's exactly opposite of mm -hmm. what God intends for you and opposite of what you and your body need in yeah. order to be successful. So thinking positive thoughts that God has you and you can learn about this, God will even redeem this for your benefit, mm -hmm. for his glory and your good and thinking positive thoughts and having grace for yourself the way that God does for you. All that kind of invites you back into some sense of health and normalcy in a way that's really fruitful and meaningful. Man, that's great, Craig. Um, Boy, some of the words that you're talking to me are just 
man, they're just what people are going through. Uh, and in, at least mm. in America, and I know you reach, I didn't know it was 3.3 million around the world. That's crazy. Uh, that's amazing. But uh, fear and anxiety and then shame, shame is, is such a big word. And I mean, it's such a big thing. Um, can you talk to us? Was that a part of your experience with this when it first happened? And how did you deal with that? And at some point, I might ask a question. You're like, hey, I'm not ready to talk about that because you did allude to, uh, you know, some of that counseling and self-discovery. And we're going to be open to what you're willing to share with us. But we're also going to be sensitive if there's some things you're not ready to share with. But could you just first address shame and then you can tell us, no, we don't want to talk about that, Steve. You can talk about whatever you want. Oh, that's great, Steve. And thanks so much for that, like, respect. I really, really appreciate that. I'm really happy to dive into anything. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I for sure felt shame. Okay. But still to this day, I would say I wrestle with that to some degree. I mean, here I am as this, you know, devotional writer, faith leader. There's this, you know, that's not a, a platform that I sought to build for myself. It's just this is somehow meeting a, a lot of need in a lot of people's lives. And so people are coming to it, which is exciting and great. But um, you know, it wasn't necessarily anything planned for myself either. And so here I am with this platform and this, you know, influence for lack of a better word. And no, I think it's there's a picture in a lot of people's mind of if you're a devotional writer, the things I write about are very much in this experience space. And, you know, I love even the topic of like Christian meditation and solitude yeah. and spiritual practices and disciplines and love all of those things. So there's this kind of picture in mind of, you know, I'm just sitting here at my desk and I'm very zen and nothing phases me <laughs> and I can jump in and out of anything. And, you know, in reality, yeah. in, in, in reality, I mean, I'm a normal human being and I'm sitting here, but I have that expectation for myself sometimes. And so I'm like, here I am helping other people find peace and proclaiming that God has made his peace available to us in the midst of any circumstance through prayer. And that Jesus says in John 10, 10, he came to give us life and life abundant. Right. I think that's more about inward abundance than the necessarily is exterior or outward abundance. Oh. Um, it's our peace and our emotional health and our mental health and our sense of identity and thriving in God and all those things. And, and here I am saying all that, and I can't seem to get my stuff together. Like, <laughs> I can't get my mind together, my stress together. And, yeah. you know, everyone's suffering. And honestly, I'm, I'm feeling really fortunate. Like, things are, and all things considered in a pandemic, really good for me. And yeah. a lot of people are suffering to a lot greater depth than I am. And why am I wrestling with this? And that whole process was really tough. But really, as I invited God into that, which I think is the key, started uncovering, you know, how much he sees me specifically and has grace for me specifically mm. and how much comparison, you know, whether it's to an expectation that I have for myself or to others, is, is not helpful in any regard in how much that only seems to foster mm. things that make things worse. And, yeah. you know, God has called me to something and he cares about me as an individual and he has capacity for that. He's not saying, Craig, you should get your stuff together because someone else overhears being worse than you. Mm -hmm. He has capa infinite capacity to care and be attentive to me and my needs. And he cares deeply about those things as deeply as he does anyone else's. And all that has invited me into this aspect of, for lack of a better term, you know, self-care. Even yeah. Jesus tells us to love our neighbor like ourselves. He right. says that we should love ourselves. And that there's almost a, a connection there to our ability to love others, and we miss that so often. And It's been inviting me into a real process of even loving myself, 
which is something I wouldn't have even necessarily subscribed to before. So it's been incredibly fruitful. Man, what does that look like? Everything you say, I feel like, man, I'm thinking of all these questions uh, because you have so <laughs> much, so much to say. And in, in the best sense of the word, um, just a lot of powerful things, even talking about abundant life and that that's, I mean, that's something for sure our culture, our Christian culture in America is going to misunderstand uh, very naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're talking about it in terms of, you know, something different, something internal. And, uh, man, that's that's just powerful, powerful stuff. So, um, well, talk to me. We'll just shift gears a little bit. Talk to me about what it does look like to love love yourself. Like, how is that different now than it was eight months ago? I mean, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I would say uh, practically what it looks like in some degree is is for my family dynamic. We've started, I'm an I'm a extreme introvert. And so what's been odd about the pandemic is while some social opportunities are removed, I'm also at home with my family all the time. Yeah. Like there's nowhere for any of us to go really. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, the odd thing is, is I've been craving meaningful alone time in the pandemic. Like yeah. I haven't been getting that. Okay. And I'm on video conferences all day, every day. And so loving myself looks like mm. talking to my spouse and with my kids and our family dynamic. And Sunday afternoons, I get, you know, a few hours while the kids are napping of just alone time to read <laughs> and to process and to think and pray or to go play golf, you know, at the driving range or to play around a golf with a buddy yeah. or something like that. It also looks like every day starting with a time of self-reflection where with a journal in hand, I now added to my rhythm of time alone with God, beginning with simply processing what is my body telling me today? What am I thinking and feeling? How am I doing? Am I stressed? Am I not stressed? Am I excited? Am I nervous? And just processing and not judging my state of being, but processing with God, how am I doing? And can I put that down on paper? And inviting Him into that before we venture into worship and reading and praying and those different things that have been a part of my rhythm for a long time. And so that's another way. And then the last thing I would say is jumping into counseling and therapy once a week. And that pulls, you know, about half an hour, 45 minutes from my productivity every week on Friday mornings. But my team is bought into that. I'm bought into that and the value of that. And every Friday morning, I show up in my therapist's office and we talk for an hour about whatever's front of mind for me. And that has been reducing Mm. I see this as kind of like an iceberg, and the panic attack was the mm. visible part of the iceberg, but underneath yeah. the surface was a massive amount of things I needed to deal with. And every week we're kind of chipping away at that iceberg that's been under the surface, and overall that's reducing my stress and anxiety and increasing my quality of life week to week. Man, that that is good. All right. Well, <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you, Craig. Um, let me let me ask you about what you what you will share with us just about some of that self discovery if you don't mind um, opening up a little bit. I mean you you've been very open, but about that self discovery and looking at I mean things from whatever that you can share with us from either uh, childhood or growing up that were developing things that were under the surface that kind of led led to this. What can you tell us, Craig? Yeah, yes, absolutely. So very personal to me, although I think this might resonate with people, yeah. especially if they're in this place of of, uh, of experiencing a panic attack. Yeah. I learned that in the midst of processing this, there's 
some neurology here for me Ah. that relates to this category of person they call a highly sensitive person. That's less about like, hey, don't offend me. And it's more about my brain is literally wired to be more sensitive to stimulation. It's about 15% of the population of the world is in this category where their brain is wired to be highly sensitive to stimulation. And for me, that's why my panic attacks were noise induced is my stress levels would be high and then a noise trigger would just send me over that to that state of being oh. overwhelmed mentally, literally, like neurologically. Yeah. And so that's, that's something I discovered. And if, if for, for those of you that might be out there, there, you can Google highly sensitive person, HSP, and read and kind of figure out what the determiners are for that and figure out if you fit into that category. But if you do, then it's a really meaningful self-discovery process mm. to kind of set your life up to have less stimulation and to put you in this category of not being, you know, suffering from panic attacks or social anxiety as much. Beyond that, on the spiritual side, like, I think I had just built up too much around my identity in terms of, you know, I am what I do. And this world values what it can see. God's system is different than that. And even in our Christianity, I think we let, you know, productivity and progress and visibility and on a growth chart, everything moves up and to the right. Even these, you know, audience numbers that we've thrown out today, like, it's easy to kind of wrap your identity around those things. Sure. And article to article or donation to donation, we're donor-based as an organization. And all those things to kind of put your identity into your work, I think is something that we, we allow. Maybe workaholism is kind of the only socially accepted or even encouraged addiction that we have as a society. Yeah. And I had subscribed to that and was engaged in that. And I needed to discover that, you know, life is about way more than what people can see. And my identity is about more than what people can see. Mm. And God actually says that this is a terrifying verse to me, that unless I abide in him, I can do nothing. Ooh is what it says in John. Yeah. It doesn't mean I can't work a lot of hours. Right. But it doesn't mean is that those hours might not necessarily produce fruit for his kingdom if it doesn't come from a place of abiding connection. And that terrifies me, but yeah. I had to really wrestle with that this year and realize I'm not abiding in God. I'm working my fingers to the bone to advance his kingdom, I think. But mm. unless I'm abiding in him, am I really helping people in a meaningful way? And am I what am I called to? And isn't that to health and abundance in my family and mm. connection with God first and foremost? And so that was a lot of what I've been processing since. And I realized that the stress that had built up from these areas I needed to correct related to my identity were kind of throwing, were building up this mass underneath the surface. And then, yeah. you know, something would just send me over that trigger into that state of overwhelm, like a panic attack. But it's been incredibly fruitful to reconcile those things. I'm working less hours spending more time with the family and I'm spending more time even with the family doing things that are meaningful and healthy and engaging in less stimulation and less, I got off social media, Mm. which has been great. And just some practical changes in my life that had me in one of the healthiest places maybe I've been in a lot of years. Yeah, man, that is really cool. Um, How do you, when, when you have, HSP. What's the P for? I just lost track. Highly sensitive. Yeah, just person. Highly person. sensitive okay. person. Okay. So, I mean, what do you like get rid of? Like, how do you go through your house and figure out, especially if you have, you said a one and a four year old, I mean, yeah. they tend to be, uh, you know, make some noise and uh, things like that. So how do you go through the house and just, you know, eliminate some of those things or is it getting off social media? Is it, you know, what, what things do you do, Craig? 
Yeah, it's great. So yeah, with the family now, you know, we'll I'll play I'll play toys with my kids for sure, and some of their toys are loud, their shows are loud, whatever yeah. it might be. And I can kind of I just start to monitor, you know, how much of that I can handle. I'll say. Okay. And then I'll I'll suggest or you know get the kids outside. We live in Texas, and the as do you, I know, and the, the yeah. heat is. The heat is rough here, but in the midst of all of this pandemic stuff, it's like never been so grateful for a backyard that I have right now. Right. And so you know, going on walks is really fun, and that's not too stimulating, or getting out to a park, yeah. or sitting with my kids and reading books, or coloring, or drawing, like kind of choosing some of these activities that are just a little bit less noisy or crazy yeah. has been cool for me, as well as realizing when I do have capacity, like, let's go crazy, and I'll just be, you know, kind of monitor my, my, uh, my stress level levels or, or yeah. simulation levels overall, but most of it more than my kids really is. I've like limited some of my video conferencing, just staring at a screen all day yeah. isn't great, maybe for any of our brains, right. but for me, it's especially not. Uh, I've okay. changed the way that I do you know, my entertainment for sure, yeah. and I might shift to listening to more podcasts now, I've been watching things, try to pick up more books, and instead of reading Kindle books, I'm ordering more physical books, mm. and just kind of getting some time like that, and yeah. away from all the blue light of screens, and what that does to our brains, and definitely starting my day with self-assessment and peace and accessing the presence of God kind of roots and grounds me to uh, a peaceful engagement with God and starts me off in the right way. I find yeah. if I wake up to my kids and their needs and the noise, that sets me up really poorly for the day, it kind of starts <laughs> me being overwhelmed. Right. But if I can venture into caring for them from a place of peace, I find that's really helpful. Yeah. So those are some of the practical changes that I've made. And social media, I think if you look at the the studies around what social media is created to do mm. in terms of it being addictive on purpose oh. and holding our attention. Yeah. Uh, I think if you read into that too much, you'll find that, you know, it's, it's not something that every one of us has to cut out entirely, but putting some healthy boundaries around it, I think is really needed for all of us in the day and age we live in. Man, this is great stuff. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you're going to have to like go back and just, I mean, there's so much to unpack. And uh, Craig, this is just incredible. If you don't mind taking a couple, if you have a couple more minutes, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if you have another absolutely. interview coming up. Um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask about your your wife and how she responded to this and what that has looked like, you know, for her. And I also I have another question, and this this should do it hopefully because everything you say just brings up all these questions. But uh, <laughs> my other one is just, um, and you can answer either one first. But have you since this, as you've been in the self discovery and you've been taking out some of the things out of your life and kind of reordering, um, have you ever like felt like, oh man, I feel like one a panic attack could be coming, so I need to do X, Y, or Z just to back off, or is it just in general that it feels like, well, it, you know, it's going to come again sometime, but I'll know what to do. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I mm. know what I'm saying. So you just do the best you can. Do you, have you felt like one come on or about to come on and you're able just to back off and it doesn't come? Mm, definitely. Yeah. I'll address okay. that question first. It's such okay. a good question. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, I'm way more present and aware of kind of my overall mental stress levels, emotional stress levels. I kind of monitor that throughout the day now, almost almost subconsciously. Yeah. Uh, it's not a concerted, intentional effort. It's just I think this has been so uh, difficult for me that it's just kind of naturally meant that I'm kind of watching out for that a little bit more. And so, yeah, so for sure with the kids, I get yeah. to a place where I'm like, okay, this is a ton of noise. Like yeah. there's something going on. And my wife, I can kind of give my wife and I, 
said, lean into that, and I'll address that more specifically, but we can kind of look at each other now, and she can see, like, okay, Craig needs to take a second. Wow. So there's moments that she pulls them out of the house, or she she's like, hey, Craig, you can go upstairs, like, whatever you need to do, you know, if, you know, if, so, if, a, if a toy gets stolen, or a, sh- yeah. a show's playing and doesn't get selected, and there's, you know, crying, or there's... Yeah. A lot of noise happening, whatever. She can kind of see when I need a when I need a minute. Man, and, uh, so yeah, so that's been that's been great. So okay. Watching that has been really helpful to kind of make sure I don't get too stressed overall. As well as like in the workday, I had to be more intentional with like yesterday. You know, yesterday I got to a spot where I had like three or four video conferences in a row, Man. and I had something I I needed to do, and I was like, I just can't do this today. Like yeah. this next task cannot get done. I need to plop down in a chair. I need 30 minutes of reading a book. I cannot stare at a screen. Like yeah. if I do that, I'm not setting myself up well. I know I'm going to yeah. be a zombie with the kids tonight if I do that. And so instead, I'm going to wake up early. You know what I did this morning? Just wake up a little bit early and knock that out first thing in the morning when I'm fresh. So yeah. I'm kind of monitoring my workload in that area in department as well, yeah. um, which has been really helpful. So some of those practical changes, kind of, I can feel when I'm like, okay, this is a, I'm getting into a zone where if I, you know something happens, I can yeah. definitely have a panic attack. Let me back back out of that zone, right. almost like red, green, and yellow. You know, I try to live in green. Yeah. If I get into the yellow. I'm like, okay, I'm in yellow. I could definitely push into red here. Something sends me over. So what do I need to do to get back into green as a way to think about it? I think. Dang, that's good. Um, yeah. 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 And then as far as my wife goes, I mean, I've been grateful for her the, since the first day I met her, but <laughs> right. maybe never more so than in this pandemic and yeah. the empathy that she's shown me. This pandemic has had us, you know, processing so much together and we've really grown in our communication. She goes to therapy as well for un- unrelated mm-hmm. things that she's been processing and been great for both of us to just improve our communication and empathy for one another. After every, you know, counseling or therapy session, we make space over coffee or dinner to just talk about, Hey, what did you guys talk about today? What did you learn? What are you, what are you processing? So we kind of stay up to date on each other every week, uh, twice a week in terms of how we're processing those things individually. And that's been great. And so I've been incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have someone that is caring for me so well. She's also very honest and it's hard for her too, as you can imagine. I mean, you know, if I need an hour all of a sudden on a Saturday morning, that's an hour that she's there with the kids, you know, they got to, they got to someone watching them. And so we try to look out for each other and care for each other and get each other the things we need and value as much as possible. But she's been incredibly supportive, incredibly graceful. It's been healthy for us to process this honestly together. And it's been honestly increasing our connection and health in our marriage. Man, that's cool. That's very cool. Well, any uh, any advice? I lied. I had one more question off of that. Yeah. Uh, sorry for lying. Um, any advice actually <laughs> for for a spouse or a parent who is recognizing? Uh, and I, I know. I mean, I've had so many as we've been talking. Just people, their faces come in front of me. You know that I know are dealing with deep levels of anxiety and panic attacks. And I'm, you know, it's just been interesting just during the conversation. And um, but I was just thinking about if it wasn't them that is going through this and it's a spouse or a parent um, like any advice for them if they're recognizing oh man that is what my child has been going through that is what my husband or wife have been going through any advice for them on how to kind of help help the person that they love who's dealing with this yeah oh it's so good I mean even today 
I got into a, a place where we were doing a podcast interview today with one of our friends and some stuff came up in that conversation. I was like, oh, this is things I need to like wrestle with. And it was kind of, mm. you know, almost triggering for me in a way. And uh, in that conversation, my wife and I got to do that interview together, which is oh, really special. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and in it, I kind of looked at her and she was like, hey, are, are you okay? Like she could tell. And I was like, yeah. I think I'm like a little bit triggered by this idea. And I don't know what to think about that and process wow. that. You know, what she did, she just kind of gave me a hug and she said, hey, Craig, you know, we're in this together. Wow. Like, we're going to get through this together. And that sentiment, I think what she's, what, I, what we've been learning is that it's actually more stimulating for someone to kind of hover and say, hey, what do you need? What can I do to try to correct or to try to move? Like, but what I think someone uh, in this position really needs is space, yeah. which can be really hard when you care deeply for someone to say right. the thing that I'm going to give you the most is space. And so I would say what's most helpful is like the light touch on a shoulder or mm. hug to say, hey, you're going to get through this. We're going to get through this like take what you need or go. And they even heard when I'm really overwhelmed saying, Hey, go upstairs and get time to yourself. Like some of that encouragement, that's okay to unplug for a minute and get what I need. They kind of, as someone that obviously cared deeply about my family, my kids and hate the idea that I can't be always fully present with them or that something that I would need would keep me from being with them. I hate that concept still, but yeah. her encouragement and support that, you know, my health is, is helpful for the family's health has been really, really a gift to me and is what I would encourage other people to do, that light touch on a shoulder hug. Where I'm in this with you. You're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. Man, that's really, really helpful and practical because I feel like that could be kind of counterintuitive for some people that want to just, I just want to help. I just want to help. And, uh, you know, the natural for at least some people would be to hover and just jump in and not create that space. Um, so man, that is amazing. All right. I'm just going to open up for you. Any, any last words, uh, for our interview that you want to just encourage people or anything that's on your heart that we haven't covered. This has been incredible, Craig, and I'm really deeply appreciative. And I know our listeners are as well. Oh, thanks Steve. And thanks again for the opportunity. Yeah. You know, whenever someone asks me a question like that, I like yeah. to kind of be as present as possible in terms of what God's speaking to me right now. Yeah. And uh, what comes up for me when you ask that, what I've been reading literally this morning, is this idea that's been fruitful for me that, you know, God is, uh, is I hope this doesn't get too heady, but God is eternal, an eternal being. And we are as well as a people. We have mm. this life that we have this opportunity to live here on this earth, but but more than that, that God says we get to dwell with Him in eternity as His people. Mm. And I think there's this opportunity in that to reframe this year we're living in. This is a hard year. Right. And for so many of us, if you're in crisis management mode, whether that's finances or whether that's social anxiety or stress or health-related or whatever it is, that this is a really tough year, but this is not the only year that we're going to live in. Mm. That there's been hard years in the past. God has taken his people through those hard years. Even thinking about my own life, I can think through other hard seasons in my life. And this idea of the deep timelessness of God and how at the same time we are made in his image and we are invited into eternity with him, mm. that we have this opportunity to reframe the day you're living in, the year you're living in to the context of eternity to set our eyes and our hearts and our sights on heaven. And not that the what you're experiencing right now doesn't matter, but that you are going to get through this and that That's there good. is more than just what you're experiencing. And sometimes that context of eternity can be really helpful to reframe the, the things we're experiencing right now in this moment. Man, that was powerful. Yes, that is perfect, Craig. Thank you so much. 
uh, man, for sharing that with us. Hey, could you just uh, stay on the line for a minute while I sign off? I'd just like to say goodbye to you off the air. I really appreciate this. Can you just hang on a minute? Absolutely. Okay. All right. I just want to tell our listeners and our Facebook uh, live viewers, man, that is awesome. That's Craig Dennison, uh, the daily podcast, devotional, other resources you can find at First 15. But you have several different ministries. I mean, I'm just touching on First 15. Is that the best place for them to get started, like First 15, the app, or first15.org? Or is there some other place, Craig? Yeah, yeah that's the best place, first15.org. Okay. We have the goal of getting devotionals out on as many platforms as we can yeah. for free since they're donor-funded. And so we have an app and a podcast, email subscription, website. We do stuff on social. But the best place to kind of find the right resource for you would be going to first15.org. Okay. Yep. And I um, – man, I appreciate as uh, we're, we're donor-based too. So I just want to encourage somebody, um, if you've been listening and this has been helping you, maybe God also has been moving on your heart. You've just been enjoying this and you've been getting a lot of practical wisdom out of this and insights, but maybe God is moving on your heart to say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what Craig and First 15 are doing, what the ministry and what Rachel, what they're doing. Um, then you can also uh, go to first15.org. I'm sure there's a place right there for you to give and support and become a part of that team. So, and if you have any troubles with that, finding that, just email me, steve at verybold.com. I will get you to the right place. Uh, so really just appreciate Craig and man, a lot of wisdom, a lot of insights today. So I just want to sign off with our audience just by reminding you guys, man, we do have such a hope. And this is where Very very Bold comes from. But I love that Craig kind of just tied it into the eternal perspective. Sometimes we just have to back off and take an eagle's eye view and even bigger and just see, man, I just want to sidle up next to God just looking down. And what I just feel like is really messy, but I'm next to God and he just sees it in a different way. And he just sees the beautiful things that he's creating out of the garbage that you might be going through today. So there is a real and great hope in that. And this is what Paul wrote. Um, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very bold radio and podcast with your host, Steve Teal bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Steve at VeryBold.com